is the Entertainment Beyond Podcast with your host Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. What's happening? What's going on? I don't know, Marvin Gaye. Tell me. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that threw me off. You threw me ladies, off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of Entertainment Beyond. I almost said a podcast, but it's it actually has a name. And today, we're going to talk about... What's the name of the show again? Wu Tang American Crime Saga. Oh, there is no crime in it. It's just American Saga. I don't know why I thought American Crime Saga. No, just American Saga. It's Cash not a show about Italian mobsters. Get the money, dollar dollar bill, y'all. Oh, so I only watched <laughs> episode one of season two. And Alan, I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to lie to the three people listening. I didn't finish season one because I was bit torrenting it. And the episode list count order was messed up. And so I'm like, you know what? I haven't heard anything about a renewal for season two. I got all the time in the world. And then I put you on the spot by saying, let's let's cast about it. So you had to check out season two and you realize you missed something in season one. No, nah, turns out I didn't really miss a lot. No. Which episodes did you not see at the end of season one? I think <laughs> I think I've missed half of season one. <laughs> and the fact that you feel like you didn't miss much probably is an indicator of how you feel about the show, but maybe not. We'll, we'll get there. I feel there. like I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't know they were going to spend that much time before the Wu Tang talk about their, you know, and watching what's to come on season two. I feel like this is where I wanted to be at, where they finally formed the group. I'm not really interested in their you know, drug dealing past. That's like every rapper from 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 fucking Biggie Smalls to fifty cent. So I just wanted to get to the woo of it all. I I can I can understand that. Um I can understand that. So just to give our, our three listeners a little bit of insight, this is a, it's not a Hulu original. Um it is a I don't Hulu know. original. It said that. Okay. So it is a Hulu original. Um it's basically, you know, it's basically Riza, who is, you know, if you watch this show, um, and for all intents and purposes, kind of the founding father, the, the person that put together the, the, the rap group, the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, and um, it's, it's written, it's, it's his story of, of them basically coming up, him and his friends, where they came from, and, and how they became the Wu-Tang Clan. And the first season really like you said, um, goes into more kind of each of their um, separate pasts a little bit. And it goes into what it really delves into is Riza um, Bobby um, is, his, is his government name um, is um, it really delves into his first attempt to try to break into the rap industry. He did a song, um, I forget the name of the song, but his name was Prince Prince uh, Hakim, Prince Rahim, um, I think is what it was, um, and Rakim, Prince Rakim, and it was more like a, you know, it was in the '90s, and it was kind of like a, a, you know, like a light, airy, um, I, you know, the ladies love me kind of song. I'm I'm, I'm the ladies' man kind of song, um, which isn't really where. Bobby comes from or where Rizza comes from. Um, it's, you know, that's not really his, where his heart is. Um, and um, it doesn't work out as the first season progresses. You see that that doesn't work out. And it's ultimately his goal to create something that does. And, and season two basically starts in hey, there. Hey, Alan. Yeah. Back away from the mic a little bit. You sound really close. Oh, Sorry. Um, that's where uh, season two basically kicks in, 
with him coming to these guys who eventually end up being all of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan that, that we come to know and love, if you're a Wu-Tang fan, um, and uh, gets them together and, and, and basically convinces him to, to join on this, this Wu-Tang journey. Well, um, actually, season two is more of a an epilogue ending button to season one. The way that whole episode played out felt like it was left over from season one and then the rest of season two is actually going to be season two because they really tidied up the whole him going to jail and you know being found not guilty it was a very tidy episode for like a, i don't know 90 minute episode yeah yeah no i mean I don't, yeah i mean it's 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 interesting this is one of those um where i'm kind of torn on on my perspective on it, like I really enjoy it. I think that um, Ashton Sanders, uh, the guy that plays Rizza or Bobby Riggs, who also played Kyron and Moonlight, um, that won or was nominated. I think it won even the Academy Award. Um, it won an Oscar. Um, I, I think he's really good as as Rizza. Um, I think they casted it well. I think it shot really well. I like the. I really liked the first season of it. I liked seeing where they came from now, to be fair. It's very cliche, but that's the life of a lot of black people in this country. You know, a lot of black men, especially. It wasn't my life, motherfucker. I didn't sell no drugs. I mean, I didn't say it was. I'm just saying it is the life of a lot of black people, especially in major cities. Um, And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's plenty that avoid it, Um, but it is definitely, you know, um, a consequence of, of being in a, inner city, big inner city for a lot of, uh, a lot of minorities, not just African-Americans. I mean, I bought drugs from everybody in my years. So, um, and uh, <clears throat> so, I mean, to a little bit, to a certain um, extent, it's a little cliche the first season when you see kind of where they come from, but you get, I do think it's important to see the foundation of where they come from in order to appreciate what they become. Because you see in season one where um, power um, is the the main kind of street kingpin, and he's got is later to become Raekwon the chef. Um, him and power shoot up D-Lover or Ghostface Killer's house because of neighborhood bullshit and, and, and over corners and shit. And these guys are, I mean, not not power per se, I guess power and and, and Bobby's older brother Divine, um, you know, were, were, were boys way back in the day, but then they had their beef um, in the streets around corners. And so, but Dennis D. Lover, uh, later to be Ghostface Killer and went Kwan the Chef, and we're, we're great friends in elementary school and his little kids growing up. And then you see this divide where things change and, and it brought to the extent of, of them shooting up uh, Ghostface's house and almost killing his two, um, I, you know, they're severely developmentally disabled brothers. Um, I, I can't tell if they're just got Down syndrome or, I mean, they're in wheelchairs as well, which is not a, necessarily a symptom of Down syndrome or autism. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but clearly... Um, you know, and, and, and yet they end up Bobby in season two in the premiere, or maybe it's, no, it's not the premiere in season two, as we go along, you'll see, he gets them back together, um, which is a big deal. Um, and eventually gets them to squash that beef along with divine and power who had beef from before, you know, everyone comes together under this banner of, Bobby Rizza gets them to put their shit aside to make some money. They're all starving and well, except for power, maybe they're all starving and trying to feed their families, feed themselves. And, and Bobby's telling them we can do this and we can do something different. And uh, yeah, I mean, I like it. I mean, I, I like the whole background story. Um, I have a really good friend who lives here in Vancouver, who is the younger cousin of Rizza. Um, and as a result, I guess I feel maybe a little bit more like, I don't know, because I, I don't know Rizza or any of those guys personally, but I've definitely met a couple of the younger generation guys. In fact, 
Rest in peace. Two of them passed away in Portland not too long ago. Members of the Brooklyn Zoo. Yeah, I read about that. The younger cousins of of RZA and ODB and ODB passed away not too, you know, five years ago, six years ago. Um, And my friend went out to that funeral. And so, you know, I guess I feel because I have a friend who's part of the family that I feel like maybe there's a little bit of a a closeness that not, not with me to them, but just an understanding more about kind of where they come from and whatever. And so it hits me a little bit harder. And I find a little bit more interest in the Wu-Tang stuff. I was never a big Wu-Tang music fan back in the day. They were East Coast. I was West Coast. Um, you know, I, 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 I always liked Cream. Um, that song was always the one that I always associated with Wu-Tang. Um, and I think still to this day is probably their biggest and most prolific hit. If you name one Wu-Tang song, I bet that's the first one they name. They could probably name others. Uh, Protect Your Neck was pretty big. Um, but definitely, you know, uh, Cream was their major hit. But they, they ended up being very successful. Um, and, and this show, um, again, what I, was, what I wanted to get to the point I want to get to was that this show I find very interesting because I don't know, like, it's written from Riz's perspective. And as a result, it's going to be skewed to the way he saw things. And I know that over the years, um, and again, don't claim to be an insider, but my friend who isn't, you know, family member said that there was always financial issues that, that the, the Wu-Tang Clan members were always frustrated with RZA and Divine and the management around Wu-Tang and getting paid and some people didn't get paid fairly and all that stuff. I, in fact, I believe, and, and don't quote me on this, but we can look it up. I think there may have been a lawsuit or two filed by a couple members against Rizzo to try to get out of the contracts that he had them sign. And so I don't know how 100% accurate the, all the story is because it's told from Rizzo's perspective and clearly he's got an objective and an agenda in doing this probably just beyond, you know, trying to keep Wu-Tang in the, you know, in the minds and hearts of people, which I he's trying to do. Um, they haven't made music really in a long time. Not that I can think of, um, not that it's been popular. So, you know, uh, anything you could do to try to bring them back around. Um, they're kind of a cult classic kind of band or not band, but group at this point. Like they have their super niche following. They're more um, popular for being on a t-shirt for our generation that has no idea about real true artistry, which is a no sad doubt. thing. You know, it's really sad that, you know, Wu-Tang is still popular in name, but a lot of people, you ask them, what's your favorite Wu-Tang song? They don't fucking know. They know the shit from Dave Chappelle, which I mean, there's right. no harm in it because it keeps it relevant, but at the same time, how much of a fan are, are you? You can't even name one song. You probably even heard the group. You just bought a t-shirt. It's kind of yeah. sad. No, I agree. And, and, I, and I think ultimately, like, you know, I'm torn on on whether they like that or not. Like, I mean, RZA, you know, they're, they're clearly motivated by money, um, which they should be. They're all hungry and starving for the most part. And, and that's the goal. They all got family. They want to try to get out of whatever bad situation they're in or all those kind of things. Um, and at the same time, I do think there's um, – there's a lot about Wu-Tang that is about the music and not just about the making of the money as much as that was important. Like there's another documentary called uh, Wu-Tang 20 years later, maybe or something. I'm not sure what it's called. It's called Wu-Tang something. And it's also on um, Hulu and it's, it's literally just a straight documentary. It's not, this is, um, Wu-Tang and American Saga is a um, dramatical production with actors and actresses playing roles of real people. The other one is an actual documentary with the real people um, in it talking about Wu-Tang and all that stuff. And they're all in a theater, uh, kind of, well, I don't know if it's a theater, it's probably one of their houses, um, but, you know, there's probably 20 or 30 seats. They look like movie theater seats and they're in front of a big screen. And, and they're all talking. talking about this on the first season that we podcasted about the show yeah and so they're all spread out and method man makes a point to say when we were putting when we were putting verses down on beats 
my whole goal was just to have my boys say, yo, that's tight. Oh, shit. Get everybody hyped, you know, because they liked it. That's all I cared about was just trying to get my boys hyped and everybody to like it on my team. And that that's what mattered to me or or that, you know, everyone thought that I had the doper verse or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Like if Ghostface showed out, I had to show out even more, those kind of things. And so I do believe that that it is about the music and, and the artistry. And clearly this Wu-Tang, an American saga, the, the, the dramatical depiction um, shows RZA, you know, extremely focused and committed to making beats and making music. And this is where his love is. Um, I know that he's still doing that stuff now. I, you know, like I said, Wu-Tang hasn't made music in a while as a group. I know they're all still doing their own things independently. A lot of them get into other stuff. And RZA has, has moved on. I mean, he's, he's in Hollywood now doing a lot of Hollywood stuff. So, and I don't know how much that is geared around music or not. Um, my guess is it's probably a fair amount. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they would love to have people know them more for their music than for their, you know, yellow, what looks like a bat symbol that everyone loves the t-shirt for. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I also think that there's a part of them that just happy to be still getting paid, like for those kind of things, like any kind of money that comes into my pocket, I'm cool with like, I, cause they, they, that is something that I think motivated them and probably still motivates them. I mean, I, the question becomes when, when is enough that you're not motivated anymore or not hungry anymore? You know, like, is Eminem still hungry? I mean, he shouldn't be. His plate's pretty fucking full. And at the same time, like, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, and are you hungry for the artistry? Are you hungry for the money? Are you hungry for the fame and the recognition? Which is it all? And, and clearly for them in the beginning, uh, especially Wu-Tang, especially, you know, Ghostface Killer, Method Man, Bobby, um, they're all, you know, in dire situations at home. I mean, they're, they're, they've got kids, they've got a feed, they, they're not, they're not working, they're not doing anything really, but this, they're selling drugs, trying to get by, um, and broke most of the time. So, you know, <clears throat> you know, definitely that's the goal. And at the same time, you want to try to preserve your artistry and you see it like in episode two, where they get in the studio as the episodes go along. I don't remember what what happens in which episodes, because I've watched them all. There's only seven episodes, um, as opposed to ten in season one. But I've watched them all, so I don't remember where episode one ends. But they end up all getting into the booth, you know, to do um, Protect Your Neck. Um, and Ghostface is, is ambivalent. Like, everyone's there in the studio. It's his turn. And he's like, it's not good enough. I, I, I need some time. I got to go back. And Bobby's, Riz is sweating him like, are you ready now? Are you ready now? Are you ready? And finally, he's ready. But but the impression that I get from that is that that's how much it meant to him. He had to go back out after hearing the other people do their thing and, and rework his to be tighter because he wanted it to shine even amongst his peers and for his peers and his group right there to be like, yo, that's dope. And that's, that was the most important thing. So clearly the artistry is super important to them. It's not just about making money and, you know, suburban white boys wearing a Wu-Tang shirt. Again, I'm sure they're more than happy to have everybody do that, but I've got to imagine that it's a little disappointing that more people don't know their music. Well, such is life. Uh, anyways, uh, <clears throat> what are you going to rate this, this first episode? Well, let's see. So since I've watched both seasons... I only watched episode one. Right. I'm going to rate the whole series to date. I'm going to give it three out of four puffs. I think it's very well shot. I think it's well written. I think the acting is, is good. I think they did a good job of really casting quality actors for the roles. Um, I think the guy that plays Raekwon does a really good job. Um, and I think that the dialogue is, is well-written. I think the shows flow. I think it moves at a good pace. I think it tells us what we need to know. The only reason I don't give it four out of four is simply because I don't know how true to life it actually is. I don't know how skewed it is because it's coming from Riz's perspective, basically alone. I mean, it's written by him and a couple other people, but none of the other people that wrote it all seem to be Wu-Tang members. So 
And I, I haven't really heard much, like, I, honestly, I haven't done any research um, to see, you know, how the other members feel about the show itself. Um, but it's clearly a RZA thing. And so, you know, that's, that's the reason that I don't give it four plus, just because I don't know how, how accurate it actually is. Well, I'm going to treat this as uh, <coughs> the epilogue of uh, season one. I guess I could rate season one. I don't know. Two and a half pups. I feel it's kind of unfair to rate something you didn't really fully watch. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it two and a half pups. Maybe I'll just go back and finish the episodes I didn't watch in season one and then watch season two. Uh, I wasn't sure if seven, I saw seven up there. I wasn't sure if seven was all you were getting or whatnot. But uh, Alan, are you a fan of uh, James Bond? I am. You haven't seen No Time to Yet to Die yet? I have not yet. Uh, I saw it last night, man. It was, it was, they did a lot of things in a James Bond movie that I never thought that I would see them do. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of things. It was a a fitting send off for Daniel Craig's James Bond. I think uh, after you see the movie, you understand that the only way they can go for well, there's two. There's two paths. One of them is a hard reboot, and the other one is a continuation of sorts. But it was a it was a good movie. I mean, I waited. Oh my god! It feels like years at this point that I've been waiting for this movie to come out, and it didn't disappoint. That's, yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely anxious to see it. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm a James Bond fan. I'm not, I'm not an avid enough James Bond fan that I'm chomping to go to the theater to see it. Um, but I will definitely check it out. Um, you know, I. It sounds like this movie maybe ties a nice little bow on Daniel Craig's run as. <clears throat> James Bond, which would be fine because I, you know, I mean, he's not bad, but he's not great. I mean, I'm kind of lukewarm on him in general. Um, and <clears throat> they've been saying it was going to be the last Daniel Craig James Bond for like the last three. So, um, you know, my instincts, even though I haven't, because I haven't seen the movie yet to know what they do, is to say, I'll believe it when I see it when we have a new James Bond. But it sounds like um, the movie does maybe put a little bow on this being his last one. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see where it goes. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, here we are at this same kind of precipice that we're often at. We don't, we don't want to talk politics on this show or, or all those kind of things that are always intense. But, you know, Daniel Craig's been in the media saying a couple weird things. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to necessarily run out and, 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 and give him my money at the moment. But I'm sure, I mean... What I will, weird things has he said? He just, you know, he said something... I mean, we talked about him. He said something about how he didn't feel like there should be a... Um, black or female James Bond. He thinks that those characters should just be written stronger in their roles um, and that you shouldn't actually change like the race of people or those kind of things. But, you know, you're entitled to your opinions and, and it's not like that's, um, you know, a, a heinous opinion. It's not like he's Hitler or anything or whatever. But at the same time, like, I don't have a problem with, I mean, why... What's the matter if James Bond is black or a woman, you know? And what's the matter to you, Daniel Craig? I mean, does it affect your legacy as James Bond? It ends up being a black woman for that matter. So fuck off. Like, I, you know, like, yes, I totally agree. The female roles in James Bond have always been very one-dimensional, very paper thin. They're there to look pretty. They're and look like sex object. Right, to get banged. So he's absolutely 100% right. Create female characters that have depth and have a purpose and are better characters, create minority characters that have depth and a better purpose. At the same time, that doesn't change the fact that you just said, I don't think James Bond should be a black man or a woman, which to me is a shitty thing to say, like, shut the fuck up. So in my opinion, I, you know, that's, that, that leaves me a little cold on him at the moment. Um, so I'm not super anxious to run out and give him my money or whatever, but I'll see it. I mean, I'll watch it. I am a James Bond fan and I've seen them all, so I'll watch it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear that it's good. Um, I, it sounds like you really enjoyed it, which is good. Um, well, you know, if you'd like to spo- like to avoid super spoilers, I would go see it in theaters. And you're not paying shit for it because you got my Regal Unlimited. So you yeah, don't no, paying to, any money. I just have to play myself off as you. 
Yeah, you know, a Jewish guy passing off as a bald black guy. It works every time. I know that the first, I know that the kid, the one time we did it so far, I know that the kid at the counter was like, what the fuck? But he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he looked at the picture and he looked at me and he looked at the picture and he looked at me and he was like, okay. <laughs> I'm using my debit card to pay for popcorn and it's got a whole different name on it, Alan Weinstein. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, to be fair, he doesn't give a shit. He's a minimum wage worker at the booth. He doesn't give a fuck. But still, it's like, it would just, it was funny though. Uh, that would be pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not horribly, I'm not horribly worried about spoilers. I mean, I can't imagine. Okay, then I'll give it to you right now. You're not worried about spoilers for real. You want to know spoiler? Sure. James Bond dies. Wow, you actually guessed it. Yeah, he dies. Not only does he die, but he has a fucking offspring. I've he seen James offspring. Bond fake die in in previous movies, and I've seen James Bond get married. I never seen James Bond have a daughter. Interesting. So he's got offspring and it's, and it's a daughter. And he he's has dead. a daughter with Madeline. Um, the chick and did he from... die in a way that's? Did he die in a way that's completely? Oh, he ain't coming back, man. He died. He got fucking blown up by a couple of missiles. He ain't coming back. There's no explanation for There's how. No he way. I mean, I guess you can retcon that, that but like they really made a big deal of him not being able to get off the island. There's a couple other reasons. I don't want to completely spoil it, but there's a really good reason that he just decides to stay, and that's the perfect time for him to die, you know, pun intended. So I find it really interesting that I wonder if, if there I mean, is the intention then to... I mean, we obviously don't know because we're not insider, but after 500 James Bond films, I can't imagine that the goal is to end the series now with this movie. I mean, they've well, got to have... They could, some... they could reboot it again, or they could continue with his daughter. Yeah, so I mean, I guess that's what it'll be. It'll be one or the other, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I've never seen them put a an actual. I didn't even know he could die. Like, I mean, I you know he's so smooth that he doesn't die. Like, you know, he, just, he always finds a way. He's hiding under a a piece of lead beam that the missile goes right over his head. He's you know protected. You know, even though everything else around. Yeah, him. Yeah, I thought for he's a second, like destroyed. Uh... That he was going to escape. This movie does a lot. You know, the villain in this movie isn't... I mean, you could, I guess you could say because Bond is going after him that he's a Bond villain. But this villain is really a villain. Nothing to do with James Bond. For half of the movie, James Bond isn't even a double O. So okay. that, there's that. You know, for half the movie, he's working with Felix Leiter. You know, with the CIA and shit like that. They fucking killed Felix Leiter. They killed Felix Leiter, too. And so, you know, towards the end of the movie, James Bond gets shot by Saffin like two or three times. And then uh, there's another MacGuffin. I don't want to spoil it, but there's another little piece of MacGuffin that makes his choice. You're like, well, you know, if you're not a selfish guy, you just you, you stay and die, you know? And so that's how it happened. And I kind of felt like, man, they're going to fucking kill him. And I thought at the last minute, because he's on an island, the, the the end of the movie takes place on an island, and they really make a concerted effort to be like, you just need to get off the island, and he literally has between getting shot two or three times and the missiles being like two or three minutes away from striking, he has no time, you know? Interesting. He has no time not to die. So Interesting. I, I just, uh, man, <laughs> like I said, I've seen... What was it? James Bond, You Only Live Twice, where he fakes his death. And then there was the one where he goes off and gets married and one of the villains kills his wife. But yeah, James Bond has always been like a never, never, never die type of character. I thought it was a pretty bold choice. And, you know, honestly, because Daniel Craig didn't want to come back, he wanted to end it at 24, which, uh, fuck, what was the, what's the one? Was that Spectre? I don't know. Uh, Spectre was all right. I was a little disappointed in how much, uh, how many lines of dialogue Dave Bautista had, which were like zero for a Bond villain. It was a bit disappointing. Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot he's the villain in this. Well, he's not. He's not the villain. He's one of the henches, uh, Christoph. Oh, well, I forgot that he's that, that he is a villain in this, and he's in this movie. It was, uh, you know, I was excited to see what he could do, and then they gave him like you know, zero lines. It's like, what the fuck is this shit? 
uh, give the man some lines and shit. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. It depends how you feel about Spectre. A lot of people didn't like Spectre. I thought it was, I thought it was good. You know, I, I, I think it's stupid when they try to hide. Oh, we're bringing in Christoph Waltz. Who could he be? Yeah, he's fucking Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Like, who the fuck else is he going to be? Come on. Right. You know, it's just, it's a bit insulting. But uh, I think if you at least enjoy James Bond, oh, I do. you're going to like this one. They do, you know, they brought in Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag, if you've ever seen that, uh-huh. to uh, punch up the script and whatnot. And it was funny, but it was like, they made such a big deal of punching the script up to, to be funnier and give more to the women. And it's like, I, in terms of the comedy, I feel like they've been doing the same James Bond dark, dry humor. It's the guy that murders people. You know, his humor can't be too, oh, whoa, hey, can't be zany. It's got to be like, oh, man, that's kind of grim, but it's made me chuckle. Yeah, I mean, for me, there is no humor. I mean, really, not with James Bond, not especially not with Daniel Craig. Like, he doesn't even do, like, one-liners at all. Like, Oh, all he did this... a one-liner. This one, man, he had a magnetic watch, and this guy had a, a camera eyeball in Q or somebody. Oh, yeah, it was Q. He was, like, trying to reach him, and he's like, I had to show somebody your watch. It really blew their mind, and because uh, the guy exploded his eyeball and fucking killed him. And it was, uh, you know. As a general rule, though, Daniel Craig is pretty stoic. They don't give him the comedy's coming from what little comedy there is is coming from other places. Um, you know what? The difference between Daniel Craig's James Bond and, and this new batch, as opposed to what I would call, you know, um, BD before Daniel, um, is that I feel like the, the movies themselves were a lot campier, um, especially like the Roger Moore and the early Sean Connery stuff was much campier. Like they weren't funny per se. Bond wasn't funny. But the air of the movies was just much campier. Like, it know, was... there was that one James Bond movie where Roger Moore went to like Jamaica. I think it was Jamaica. Yeah, it was Jamaica. And he like essentially explained to this chick, this black woman, that just because they fucked, surely she didn't suspect that he wouldn't kill her. I was like, geez, that's really fucking. You know, I don't think I'm mixing movies up, but there's been a couple Roger Moore. There's one Roger Moore movie, James Bond, where he snuck up behind these two chicks in bikini and ripped one of their bikinis off and then choked them out with it. Like, that's yeah. not campy at all. That's very, very dark. Yeah, no, it is. But I just, as a general overall movie, I feel like the Daniel Craig movies have had a much darker and more serious tone to them, in my opinion. Um, and so, I, you know, I mean, I don't... I, I don't, I definitely don't go to James Bond for my, you know, comedy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I go to James Bond for my action and for the, the, the spy that finds a way out every time. And that's what I guess is going to be interesting. I mean, I'm kind of now, I'm kind of, and I'm even more interested to see it because we, we, we complain a lot about, um, you know, like the Han Solo movie is a perfect example. So, People panned it because what do we need a Han Solo movie? We already know what's going to happen. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no drama. There's no, you know, mystery. There's no. We already know he's going to live and whatever, whatever. Well, we already know James Bond is going to live, and and that's the great part about it. Like we know almost every year or every time there's a James Bond movie that he's going to live. Now that'll be very interesting to see how they killed him this time. But that's what makes him great is that he always lives. Um, and it's not Jason Voorhees living where he can't explain it as some supernatural stupid shit. It's because he's the world's greatest spy and the most clever person in the world. Like, and so, and that along with all of his, you know, gadgets, cues, technology and stuff, that he's able to always avoid death. And so, <clears throat> I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. But yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't. That this is one of those times where I always liked the fact that I knew that James Bond was going to live, and I don't think it ever detracted from the movies. Like, oh, were you done really? talking? <laughs> what? Oh, I th- I didn't know if you're done talking. If you're <laughs> cut off. No, I thought I lost you because it just kind of went silent for a minute. 
Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to take a brass. <laughs> no, I thought it was good. It uh, be interesting to see where they take the the property now, especially since Amazon owns, you know, co-owns James Bond along with most of or all of MGM's catalog. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. So you will be interested to know that you'll. this will give everyone, all three of our listeners and you, direct insight to what actually moves my needle. Um, to be fair, I went with my wife, and she's not interested in James Bond, but it wouldn't have mattered. Um, we went to the movies, and we saw The Addams Family, too. So um, I saw that before I saw James Bond. So that tells you where my priorities are. Um, but I, yeah, I liked it. I thought, I don't know if you've seen the first animated Adams Family. No. Um, not even with the Regal Unlimited Pass. Not even with the Regal Unlimited Pass. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, I know that you, you don't you feel like to... a little creepy when you look around. Uh, you know, I did this when I went to see Spies in Disguise, and I'm looking around the theater, and it's a bunch of parents and their kids, and then there's me just alone, no kids. So I got up and left because these parents are looking at me like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? You know, you don't feel like a slight, like, level of, like, even though it's innocent you're just going to watch a movie and you don't have, it doesn't matter what age, you don't feel kind of like, oh, these people are fucking judging me for being at this movie and I don't have any um, kids. No, not usually, but you gotta remember, I'm usually with my wife, so. Um, well, at least you had someone to shift the blame off to. Right, and and to be fair, you know, I, I, just, I don't know if this is an indication of the fact that we went to a shitty theater or if the movie's going to be bad, or, you know, it's not going to do any good at the box office, but we were the only two people in the theater. So we, we were literally the only two people in the theater for that show. That's so, like the opposite, man. I fucking went to use the bathroom at one point because I was at the Lloyd Center IMAX. And uh, my God, I don't know if they were there to see uh, Shang-Chi or James Bond, but there was a lot of fucking people. Like, I think the most people I've ever fucking seen in a movie theater lobby to see a movie. It's and, you know, same. not to be racist or anything, because they could have been going to see James Bond. They could have very well been going to see James Bond. But the fact that it was a group of Asian people, I I'm knew you were say that. that they were going to see Shang-Chi. <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, I can't imagine, like, Asian so community like, giving so, much so, so, shit so. about James Bond. So, like, if... So, like, if Friday's playing at the movie theater and there's a big group of black people, you just naturally assume you're going to see Friday? Like- I mean, come on, man. I, the numbers work sometimes. Last time I went to a movie theater, there was that many people. Like, a, a big amount, a big surplus of, of black community members. They were there to see the Biggie Smalls adaption. Yeah, and I asked those niggas, like, hey, you going to see Pee Wee Herman's new event? No, nigga, we're going to see Biggie Smalls. I mean, hey, you know what? Stereotypes for a reason, but it's still terrible. I mean, it's, it's terrible. You know. I thought about it for two seconds. And I'm like, I'm only out here. <laughs> movie. I don't give a shit what these guys are doing. But it just more than what the movie they were seeing or their race. It was just shocking. Like movies are fucking back. They could have been seeing Venom, too, which would be a, a misjudgment on them. But So I had the choice between Venom and Adam's Family 2. And I went with Adam's Family too. That sounds like two. you went with the smarter version. <laughs> those were the two choices that my wife gave me. So they were tickets that we got from a friend for our anniversary. They gave us two free. At least your wife two. is loves you enough to give you a fucking choice. I've been with women like, no, we're gonna go see my sister's keeper. I want you <laughs> to pay for this fucking movie that's sad as shit, so that you can fall asleep in it. <laughs> so. Needless to say, I enjoyed the Adam's Family a lot. I, if you haven't seen them, I would see them. They're 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 good. They're funny. You'll like them. I mean, you like cartoons. I know it's not really up your cartoon alley per se, but they're lighthearted and funny, and they're enjoyable. Get, get nice and high, or eat some mushrooms and watch them. It's one of those just it's just enjoyable. You just sit back, you just laugh. It's just enjoyable. I, in fact, I enjoy it a little bit more than like. Uh, Hotel Transylvania, which I, there's a new one coming out. Not a big Adam Sandler fan. When will so they stop quick. that shit? Huh? When will they stop? <laughs> Probably never. Guy, it's like James Bond 25 and Fast and Furious 9. But I right. absolutely lose my fucking shit every time 
They're like, oh, Hotel Transylvania at 69. Like, when are you going to stop? When people stop knowing and people stop liking it, I guess. But, uh, you know, it's not my favorite. My wife loves Hotel Transylvania, anything. Um, but she's a big Adam Sandler fan, and I'm not. Um, but I like the Adam better. I thought this, and I thought this one, um, the second one, was a little bit better than the first one. I really like this this story line. I thought it had some depth to it. I thought they took some time um, and, and it had a pretty good script and a decent story. Um, and the animation is great. I love the animation. So, and I'm always going to be Adam Sandler again. So, it's right up my alley. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I, I will give that one. Four out of four puffs and suggest and recommend it to anybody. Well, if your wife is such an Adam Sandler fan, uh, has she checked out? Um, what the fuck is that name of the movie that's on Netflix? Uh, Uncut Gems. No, because that's not the Adam Sandler she likes. Boo. She likes shitty Adam Sandler then, is what she's saying. Yeah, I mean, she likes the, you know, the the Happy Gilmore, the Billy Madison, the Little Nicky, the, the true, uh, the um, Big Daddy, you know, the, the Adam Sandler that's very corny and very, you know, whatever. She's not interested in seeing him play a serious type of role. Like, And to be fair... I, I don't blame her because I checked it out and it was a terrible film. I mean, I watched. What the fuck are you talking about? I uncut gems. I thought it was horrible. You're smoking crack. <laughs> all right. Well, here we have a difference of opinion. Um, I, first of all, I don't like Adam Sandler. Um, I think the only times that he's okay is when he's playing basically a normal human being type of role, like um, uh, five fifty first dates or Spanglish, or where he's just being a normal himself, maybe grown-ups. Um, I don't like any of the little Nicky, Billy Madison. I do like Happy Gilmore, but he's not really, you know, playing a retard. I don't like Billy Ma- or the water boy. Um, I don't do that Adam Sandler. I don't do Goat Boy, his comedy. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, and I was interested to see what he could do in a serious role. And I was extremely disappointed in his performance in Uncut Gems. I thought he was very one-dimensional. I didn't think he came across as believable. Um, I thought the story itself was flimsy and thin. Um, I, honestly, I thought the best part of the movie was Kevin Garnett, and he wasn't even in it that often. Um, I just, I didn't like it at all. And I, and I, I was not surprised I was going into it with very low expectations because I don't expect a lot from Adam Sandler. Especially you probably in don't like Spanglish like either because you apparently don't know a good movie when you see one. No, Spanglish I do like. Spanglish I like. That was one of them. That's one of the few Adam Sandler movies I do like where he plays basically kind of, you know, uh, uh, just an average everyday person, you know what I mean? As opposed to, I don't know, some weird, you know, whatever it is, you know, Bobby Boucher, The Waterboy. Like really, dude? Like come that on. movie is I, offensive. What? That movie is offensive. Sure, it is, and a lot of his stuff is highly offensive. So, like, I don't, you know. At the same time, like, I love the Hanukkah song, <laughs> which is, you know, an Adam Sandler original. As a Jew, I enjoy the Hanukkah song, both parts one and parts two. Um, but yeah, as a general rule, I don't like it, and I really did not enjoy Uncut Gems at all. You liked it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I guess that's the difference between you and me is uh, one of us has a true eye for good filmmaking. <laughs> that would be me. So when it comes to the that night would, before... That, yeah, that would be the guy who just saw The Adams Family too. That would be me. So when it comes to the night before 420, I'm going to take the reins. <laughs> if you say so. Ooh. You know, we all we all are under certain impressions when we are high in crack, I suppose. <laughs> Hey, you didn't give us the unofficial podcast sponsor. The unofficial podcast sponsor did <laughs> drift, but uh, I don't feel like walking to my refrigerator to crack one open. So I guess we'll just do this, Alan. Because <laughs> another unofficial sponsor is sitting right in my eyesight. Alan, you ever been a rock star before? You ever had the energy to drink 
a rock star. And you sit down, you strum on your guitar, you think, you know, some some shit about being a cowboy or some shit like that. Well, with 160 milligrams of caffeine, Alan, you too can be a rock star. And I'm not talking about a crack rock star. I'm talking <laughs> about... You hear that? That's a rock star crack right there, Alan. This is rock star energy. We're getting sugar-free. I don't know why I went all high-pitched on that one. But we're getting sugar-free. And, you know, if you know me, ladies and gentlemen, and people of all genders in between non-identifying or otherwise, you know that we've got to go in for a sip on every unofficial sponsor. Yep. Tastes like guarana, B vitamins, and no sugar, which is uh, <laughs> kind of like me, like atoning for a sin or something. But Rockstar <laughs> sugar-free energy drink. Be the star. Be the rock. Just don't be a crack rock. Rockstar sugar-free energy drink. The unofficial sponsor of today's podcast. All right. Any news? Before Any we, uh, news? Uh, well, I just gave day? you a bunch of big James Bond news. Um, yeah. What if season two will focus more on the characters? I don't know how much of what if you've watched. Uh, I actually finished it because the season finale was on Wednesday. And uh, like I predicted, they weren't going to get any higher than the Chadwick episode. But it was still a fun time had not at the movie theaters. That's as far as I've seen as the Chadwick episode still. I haven't watched any more than since the last time we casted about it. I keep flipping past it every morning. My grandson wants to watch. Well, wants to watch. We put on Bluey for him on Disney, and I always flip past what if, and I keep thinking, I got to watch the rest of that. But You keep thinking, what if I finish the series? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What if Alan finished what if? (laughs) What if Alan finished what if? Um, yeah, a little it says sports. that they're going to focus more on characters, and it, and it says in a, in a new interview, Marvel's What If head writer A.C. Bradley explains that season two will focus a lot more on the characters themselves. Uh, I, I'm not sure what exactly that's supposed to mean. Yeah, I thought it was pretty character-focused already. Like, Well, I think it's going to be more, because the, the, the frustrating thing about a lot of these episodes, like, and this is like Marvel used to print these syndicated comic books of what if, and sometimes the story stretched on for longer. Like, you know, what if Iron Man became the Herald of Galactus, which to people that only know about the MCU version of characters, <laughs> Galactus is this big world ending threat that fucking consumes planets because he's like smoked a bunch of weed and he's always hungry. That's pretty much Galactus if explained wrong. And, you know, I think I've explained it wrong enough. But it'd be stories like that, and they continue that, and then make it like its own storyline, you know, kind of like DC Elseworlds, where these characters living in, you know, an alternate universe or timeline or whatever. And the frustrating thing about this is, like, there's a one, there's an episode, uh, what if Killmonger saved Iron Man? So they take the events of Iron Man 1, but they overlay it with some Black Panther. So instead of Iron Man saving himself or Tony Stark saving himself and becoming Iron Man, you have Eric Killmonger showing up at the uh, the Jericho missile test trial thing and saving Tony Stark. And then later on, um, Eric Killmonger's still a bad guy. So it, it's it's taken the, the path that Eric Killmonger took in Black Panther just with some extra steps. And the end of the episode is Pepper, I almost called her Peppa, but it's Pepper, Pepper, and Shuri coming together to to figure out, you know, the Killmonger killed Tony Stark, and you know we need to go fight him to save Wakanda. And then the episode ends. It's like they spend all this time, you know, and it just would be a nice little bit more follow through. Yeah, like I said, I've only seen the first. I enjoyed three episodes. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed. The idea again. I think that I thought that they could have gotten a little bit more creative, maybe in it. In the, in, you know, when you're dealing with a concept of anyone can be anything or whatever. I mean, and I understand it's all in the Marvel universe, so you're not going to stray too far. 
but at the same time, like you can be a little bit more um, dynamic and, you know, the, the chaos that you're creating when you're in another universe or whatever, you know, in the multiverse. But other than that, um, yeah, I mean, I like them. I'm going to, I'm going to end up watching them and I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they mean by more character focused in season two. Um, like I said, I thought that the, the first couple episodes I saw were pretty character focused in season one. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it definitely, yeah. I mean, I, you know, here we go. I'll say, I say this a lot probably on this podcast, but um, you can always tell what actually interests me because the things that I will watch, like I sat and watched season two of Wu-Tang, uh, an American saga in, in a day and a half. And I've only watched two episodes of what if, and I haven't watched it since we podcasted about it. So clearly there's a reason why I go, <laughs> you watch one thing and not others. And so I don't know if it's that it just doesn't, if there's something about it that I mean, I, when I think about it objectively, there's nothing about what if I don't really like, I guess it just doesn't move me enough to want to go back and watch it right away. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what you like and what you don't like. Uh, I think the only other piece of news. Well, there's a Stranger Things spinoff, but I'm not really interested in talking about Stranger Things. I feel like they should have ended with this last season. We shouldn't get everybody's moving out of town. What kind of story can you tell me with everybody gone? So I don't want to discuss that news. Dip into the last bit of news, and that is uh, Diego Luna confirmed Star Wars Andor show has finished filming. And I don't know if you're uh, if you ever saw Rogue One, if you remember any of the the plot threads in Rogue One, but Diego Luna's uh, Cassian Andor was uh, well, he was almost the the the, the star of the movie. And so they're gonna do a a spinoff that'll tell the the tale of Andor before he uh, decided that he was gonna go find those uh, Death Star plans and be a rebel. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for anything Star Wars and more Star Wars and more Star Wars. I mean, it's you know, uh, it doesn't surprise me that uh, when a property is owned by a company like Disney that, uh, you know, it's going to continue to produce more and more stuff. I mean, when you have something as iconic as Star Wars, uh, you know, everyone wants to try to dip their fingers in it, you know, and everyone, you know, as long as I can remember, there's been books, you know, that have been written that are, you know, spinoffs or whatever stories about other stuff. And so, and and, and more recently, you know, Rogue One and the Han Solo story and those kind of things and the Clone Wars um, cartoon and uh, the Bad Batch and Mandalorian and all that stuff, more than ever, we're starting to, uh, you know, sprout more and more off of the the main Star Wars tree, um, which I love. When we talked about that plenty of times. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely all on board for as much Star Wars stuff as Disney wants to give me, even though I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm torn on where I feel about Disney in general and them owning all my favorite properties or a lot of my favorite properties and, and, and concerns about ultimately what might become of them. But at the same time, it's nice to have, um, as long as it's good and enjoyable, it's nice to have a machine behind the properties I enjoy that can actually continue to put stuff out. Um, you know, I have no idea where George Lucas's love is with Star Wars at this point, but my oh, guess yeah. is that... to the interview, he feels like he sold his baby to white slavers. Ooh, right. interesting. George Lucas. Interesting. So, you know, I mean, but at the same time, that doesn't tell me anything about whether he wanted to do more or, you know, had any desire to push any more boundaries of the universe like Mandalorian or Clone Wars. And if he didn't, then, I, you know, I'm glad that we got those things. So I don't know how you reconcile those two. Um, but, um, yeah, again, more, anything Star Wars, more Star Wars, uh, the, the merrier. So I'll watch it. I'll check it out. It definitely moves the needle for me. Absolutely. That's all the news that I have that wraps have up wrap this up. news cycle. That's all I have. As usual, I'm slacking in my duties. I know that I told oh, our free. Oh, uh, 
that song that was played, the sample that Bobby didn't finish at the uh, at the the tail end of the fucking season two episode one air quotes. Yeah. That song was sampled by by uh, Fat Joe and Dre on their album that came out. I want to say earlier this year. Oh. And the song is actually called After Laughter, and it's got the same After sample. I, I, so it's weird because I'd actually heard that song from Fat Joe and Dre before I knew, because I've got the whole discography for Wu Tang uh, on my on one of my phones, and so I heard that and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I heard that on the show. I was like, "Man, it's funny how life works out like that." But yeah, that was a. Uh, and the album by Dre and Fat Joe is fucking fantastic, by the way, if you haven't heard it. I'm going to have to check that out. I had no, Family I was, Ties, I think it's called. It's really Mr. Fun. Music was totally unaware that there was even a Dre and Fat Joe album this year. So um, I highly suggest you check it out. It's good. I will have to There's check it out. It's got one feature with Eminem, but that's not even the best song, honestly. That's the reason I came to the album, because I'm Mark for Eminem. But that's yeah, not even good. the best song. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'll have to check that out for sure. I love all three of those guys, actually. I mean, Fat Joe's probably, you know, third on the list out of those three, but I like Fat Joe a lot, too. I mean, I always enjoy his music. I enjoy I think he's a good rapper. Uh, you know, um, yeah, no, I'm definitely interested in that. I'll have to check that out. Again, sorry, three listeners, for not having my music news as I swore I would, but I promise, <laughs> fingers crossed, which you can't see. The next time I will have some sort of music news, at least a couple. You know what, listeners? Alan's starting to sound like that dad who swears he's coming back after one more pack of cigarettes. And where is he at? We waited for him in the window. He never pulled up (laughs) because he was never going to. Our father's out there looking for loaves of bread and packs of cigarettes. I don't know how exclusive the loaf of bread or pack of cigarettes has to be, but it's pretty important that he finds these cigarettes and, and loaves of bread. If you're the snotty nosed kid that's looking out the window and doesn't realize that people have better things to do than spend time with your dumbass, that's on you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a grown ass man with shit to do. I can't be bogged down by the whole fucking snotty nosed brat that wants you to hold him the whole time. (laughs) What do I look like? Who would have fooled? <laughs> well, ladies, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all identified genders, <laughs> non-conformative or otherwise, it seems like we know what kind of father Mr. Entertainment Beyond is. Mr. <laughs> Music Corner, Mr. Leave Your Ass at the Window. That should be your new nickname, Mr. Leave Your Ass at the Window. That's right. That's me, Mr. Leave Your Ass at the Window. Jeez, Alan, we we knew that you didn't like teenage angst. We didn't. We just didn't know that you didn't like being a father altogether. That's right. I just hate everything. I'm just one of those old get off my lawn. I hate everything. Grumpy old grandpas. Oh, you gonna go? You gonna go sit in the corner and cry, macho? <laughs> exactly. Me and Clint Eastwood. Don't even really know what the fuck that means, but okay, go go cry, macho. I heard that movie wasn't good. What movie? Cry Macho. I haven't seen it. I have not seen it. Quite honestly, man, I'm always surprised that Clint Eastwood is still alive and kicking. Right? I agree. Right. <laughs> Although, you know, to be fair, he's had quite the... Uh, oh, he's the, got quite the filmography. No doubt. He's done a lot of good movies, both as an actor, as a director, you know, all sorts of yeah, no, I mean, he's he's one of those uh, legends. I mean, I don't know how else you classify him. Mean, but what's the I, last movie that he did before this, like Grand Torino? No, it was The Mule. And then before that was Grand Torino. But Grand yeah. Torino is like the last movie that I saw. You know, I'm like, Grand hey, Torino. you know, you got a bunch of people happy because you played a goddamn racist person. It was a good movie, but his character was very, very racist. And no just because he served in a war doesn't like, nothing excuses your, your gross racism. Nope. Now go sit in the no. corner and cry macho, you old fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Clint Eastwood's one of those guys that I've always been kind of hot and cold on. Like, I liked him a lot. I always liked him when he was younger in his westerns. You know, I even liked him in The Unforgiven when he was older in the western. Um, I think he's always best in westerns. But, you know, he's he's not he's not necessarily my cup of tea all the time. You know, Dirty Harry is what it is. Um, 
you know, they're not high art in any way, shape, or form. But um, but he's done some really good stuff as a, as a director, and I guess maybe writer and director in his later That's years. Good. I hate to cut you good. short, Alan, but we're gonna have to send him out. That's right. Got seconds left. All right. As always, keep it classy. Stuff it down with a whole lot of brown. And hey, you know, wear a mask. Wear a mask. I'm looking at a picture of Batman right now wearing a fucking respirator respirator, uh, (laughs) to breathe underwater. If Batman can do it, god damn it, so can you. If Spider-Man can do it, well then hot god damn it, so can you. If Scorpion can do it, if Sub-Zero can do it, motherfucker, you can do it. Put your mask into it, as Ice Cube never said. (laughs) Wear a mask, save a life. Wear a mask, save your wife. Well, there you go. All right. Catch you next time, ladies and gentlemen.